Hey, thanks for listening to the Daily Walk podcast. Just want to remind you that if you have any questions, any thoughts, any comments, or any prayer requests, you can go online to the Boulder Church website, which is at boulder.church. Send them along. We'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, look after each other and live love. Good morning. It is Wednesday, May 29. Welcome to Daily Walk. I am Becky Oliveira. And I'm Japheth de Oliveira. And uh, middle of the week, let me uh, pray, shall I? Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for today. Thank you for all that you have done, all that you are doing. Thank you for this passage uh, with the challenges that it lays before us. Lord, we ask for your spirit to give us wisdom. Uh, we ask for your spirit to give us a fresh insight, as always, uh, as we try to unpack this and apply it. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Okay, we are reading from the Complete Jewish Bible today, the CJB, Amos chapters 3 and 4. And this is going to be fun because typically it has a lot of words that are hard to pronounce. Yes, excited for that. We'll see how it goes. Listen to this word which Adonai has spoken against you, people of Israel, against the entire family that I brought up from the land of Egypt. Of all the families on earth, only you have I intimately known. This is why I will punish you for all your crimes. Do two people travel together without having so agreed? Does a lion roar in the forest when it has no prey? Does a young lion growl in his lair if it has caught nothing? Does a bird get caught in a trap on the ground if it hasn't been baited? Does a trap spring up from the ground when it has taken nothing? When the shofar is blown in the city, don't the people tremble? Can disaster befall a city without Adonai's having done it? Adonai, God, does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. The lion has roared. Who will not fear? Adonai, God, has spoken. Who will not prophesy? Proclaim it on the palaces of Ashdod and on the palaces in the land of Egypt. Say, Assemble yourselves on the hills of Shamron. See what great tumult is seething within it. How much oppression is being done there. For they don't know how to do right, says Adonai. They store up violence and robbery in their palaces. Therefore, here's what Adonai Elohim says. An enemy will surround the land. He will strip you of your strength and plunder your palaces. This is what Adonai says. As a shepherd rescues from the mouth of a lion a couple of leg bones or a piece of an ear, so the people of Israel and Shomron will be rescued, huddled under cushions in the corners of their beds. Hear and testify against the house of Yaakov, says Adonai Elohim Elohe Savaot. For when I punish Israel's crimes, I will also punish the altars of Beit El. The horns of the altar will be cut off and they will fall to the ground. I will tear down winter houses as well as summer houses. Houses adorned with ivory will be destroyed. The mansions will be no more, says Adonai. Listen, you lovely cows of Bashan who live on Mount Shamron, who oppress the poor and grind down the needy, who say to their husbands, bring something to drink. Adonai Elohim has has sworn by his holiness that your time is surely coming. You will be dragged away with hooks, the last of you with fish hooks. You will leave through breaks in the wall, each woman right behind the next, and be sent off to Harmonah, says Adonai. Come to Beit El and commit crimes, to Gilgal and commit more crimes. Bring your sacrifices in the morning and your tithes after three days. Burnt leavened bread as a thank offering. Brag in public about your voluntary offerings, because that's what you love to do, Israel, says Adonai Elohim. I made your teeth clean of food in all your cities, left you nothing to eat in all your villages. Still you haven't returned to me, says Adonai. I withheld the rain from you. Three months before the harvest, I made it rain on one city and not on another. 
One field had rain, while another with no rain dried up. From two or three cities, they would stagger to one city for water to drink, but there wasn't enough. Still, you haven't returned to me, says Adonai. I struck your crops with hot winds and blight, your many gardens and vineyards, the cutterworms devoured, your fig and olive trees. Still, you haven't returned to me, says Adonai. I sent a plague on you like that of Egypt. Put your old men to death with the sword, let your horses be captured, and filled your nostrils with the stench of your camps. Still, you haven't returned to me, says Adonai. I overthrew some of you, as when God overthrew Saddam and Amorah, and you were like a burning stick snatched from the fire. Still you haven't returned to me, says Adonai. This is why I will deal with you in this way, Israel. And because I will deal with you in this way, prepare to meet your God, Israel, him who forms mountains and creates wind, who declares to humankind his thoughts, who turns the morning to darkness and strides on the heights of the earth. Adonai Elihai Savaat is his name. It's good. It's good. All right. Here's our question for today. Is wealth wrong when so many others in our world are in need? Well, I'll just make this observation that I feel like the Bible talks a lot in condemnation of the wealthy. And yet, interestingly, um, in Christian circles, we talk a lot about the condemnation of other things. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. things that are perhaps not as mentioned as often. I'm not sure. I haven't done a frequency evaluation, but I would bet that the, you know, the wealthy thing that comes up all the time and it's pretty conveniently just kind of, nobody really talks about it. Yeah. I, um, I think that so the, I think the safe answer would be probably insofar as you think any of the other things that the Bible condemns are a problem. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I think that, I think that anything that's a resource that you have and that you don't use for the betterment of the world and society is an issue. Yes. So I think, I think that just I think being that people. And I think that and, well, I, yeah, I think that's exactly what it is, and I think that's what the the, the fundamental issue is with it, because it's not. I mean, look, you you think about all the the beautiful things that actually do take place inside the Bible, and and that requires wealth. I mean, you think about uh, the amazing temples that were built, or the amazing buildings that were built, and nobody was complaining about things mm. that were done well with cedars of Lebanon, or, or the you know the gold leaves, or the or the beautiful uh, linen that was made, and the purple. Uh, cloth and all this kind of stuff. Nobody complains about that stuff. I think what they complain about is that if if beauty is created and and there are people who actually need and somebody's actually taken away from that possibility, that's a problem. However, Nathan's question I think is interesting is that is wealth wrong when so many others in our world are in need is an interesting question because that's actually kind of like a, a global question. Like, should there be any wealth at all if there's somebody in need well, in what you Timbu- think about is this you know, like- we've actually created a situation that means that people's wealth comes off the backs of people being poor yeah you know you look at that um corporations that pay their workers very very poorly to the point where people cannot survive on the income that yeah, they have but yeah. the owners the shareholders etc are getting rich off of that i think that's a gross disgusting um betrayal of people I don't think there's any other real way to think about that. And so, and so, how do we like reverse or how? And we, do we somehow act like it's deserved. We act like yeah. people, people who are poor, deserve to be because they're lazy, and that is, it's just not even remotely true. I mean, for one thing, most uh, many people who work at jobs that pay them very good incomes, it's not that they haven't been smart or done yeah. things to get there, but they're not necessarily 
grinding, yeah. you know, throughout the day, I mean, the way this... that a poor person who works two or three mm-hmm. jobs is not sleeping and is physically working and is sometimes having to take methamphetamine to stay awake mm-hmm. to work 18 hours a day or whatever. I mean, the opioid crisis, all mm-hmm. these things are directly a result of this kind of inequality. Mm-hmm. And I think that that has to be looked at. I was um, I was at this mission summit where they had, I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago, where I talked about a, a presenter called Donna Beagle, who was talking about uh, the, the tensions of poverty and, and the misunderstanding of the language of poverty, and that we don't know how to even speak uh, the language and, yeah. and even understand the vocabulary that's being used. And I think that's actually something, the inequality of, of everything that's going on in life as well, is that we, we misconstrue part of the narrative and story of what's going on inside there. And I think that's also plays into this bigger picture. So Amos is speaking uh, here about the the abundance of the chosenness, the, the abundance of the wealth that they have, the blessings they have, and the abuse that they've done uh, to with everything that they have. So all the res- responsibility that they have and how they have not taken advantage of using that to help other people out. Well, there was just recently a big freak out in this country because somebody was... Um was suggesting a tax plan that would have a higher tax rate after the first $10 million. People freak out because they're going to be taxed more on more than $10 million Mm. of money. But it's like, how many people would that affect? And I mean, doesn't it make sense that if you have more money, you should be putting more toward the common good than somebody who makes like $23,000 a year or I don't know, whatever. No, I, I just know, think it look, makes no sense the I, way that we think about these I think, things. I think the issue is, is actually, for me, the issue is actually not just a simple issue of just simple taxation because well, there yeah, is there is a bigger issue of, you know, bureaucracy and, and whether taxation well, will I've actually be the solution. I've also heard many very wealthy yeah. people say they would be more than happy to pay more taxes. Yeah, there absolutely. quite a few where it's not necessarily them who are even... Yeah, kick. I'm not totally sure who it is always, but there's somebody where this is kind of working for them of keeping things this way and of kind of trying to grind down everybody else and elevate a very few people. Um, then it's just it's interesting, and yeah, I think it is grossly immoral for people to be starving to death in a country like this to not have enough food, to not have safety. Well. This is a this is a or global, in a world like a, this, it's a global issue, right? But I'm and, saying yeah. United States one thing, and then yeah. the world as a whole. Yeah, it it is ridiculous that we, with all of our combined expertise and resources, have not found ways to deal with any of these problems. Mm. Well, let me uh, leave this heavy question with you: Is wealth wrong when so many others in our world are in need? Think about that and and uh, pass that question out as best as you can. Uh, look after each other, live love, and we'll connect tomorrow. Thanks for your support for the Daily Walk podcast. Wherever you are in the world, we just want to let you know that we're praying for you and we're glad that you're praying for us too. If you can help us out by giving online, then please go to boulder.church forward slash give and help this ministry actually make an effect on others as well. Keep us in your prayers, look after each other and live love.